0: flip over a few pages to john chapter 13 that's page 525 in these blue bibles provided we're going to pick it up at verse 33 although we are focusing just on chapter 14 1 to 6 which we'll get to in just a second john 13 beginning at verse 33 hear the word of the lord this is jesus speaking Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, The rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. We come to our text for this morning. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you... through me. This is the word of the Lord. Good
1: morning, everyone. I hope you will understand my uh, new accent, all of you. And uh, we have a new pastor now in our multicultural, so we share the preaching now, so Most of the administration, he does that now, so that's good. I'm relieved a little bit after many years. So thank you for having me today. And uh, my desire is always to share the word of God. Uh, When I was teaching here for 22 years in Barara, that was always my desire. Sometimes we have a few arguments with some people, you know. But I always stick to the word of God, and some of them don't like it. But Never mind. Those were the days, isn't it? Those were the days. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this special time you have set aside for each one of us together to worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you for the freedom we have in this country to gather together and explore the truth of the Holy Scriptures. Thank you, Father. Bless us now as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, When Stephen Hawkins, that uh, atheist and scientist was interviewed by Ian Choppel. He said, There is no heaven. It is a fairy tale story. Our brains are simply computers that work for a little while, only for a little while, and then stop working when their components fail. Of course he was wrong, isn't it? Because you and I were created in the image of God, in the likeness of God. And God has eternal purpose for each one of us. Even the wisest man and perhaps the richest man that ever lived, Solomon, tried everything to find satisfaction in life. And, uh, but when he became older, Solomon realized that everything under the sun is vanity, futile. In other words, nothing on earth satisfied him. So Solomon's fame, riches, and power never, never satisfied him. And he himself wrote earlier in his book, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, because God has put eternity in our hearts. These, there is a space or a vacuum in our, in our hearts that only God can satisfy. Even the fourth century theologian uh, Augustine, who became, so far as the Catholics were concerned, he became a saint, of course we have a different view of what a saint is, <laughs> said these words, my heart is restless until I find rest in God. God has placed in our hearts, I believe, a hunger for eternity, a hunger for heaven, yearning for everlasting life. Even Ponce de Leon, when he was young, I learned in my social studies when I was grade four in 1957, he said he was looking everywhere, searching for the fountain of youth. He never found it. Praise God, you and I knew since we came to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We know the meaning. We know what we are searching for. And here in Jesus, this is an evening talk with his disciples, private talk with his disciples from John chapter 13, 14, 16, and in his prayer, in John chapter 17 to the Father. And this context I'm talking about today is his private talk to his disciples before the crucifixion. This is Thursday night, his private talk to his disciples. Four days earlier, what we call the Palm Sunday. There was singing, there was praising God, and uh, people were really pressing him, Hosanna, oh, oh, Hosanna. They were putting palms on the street, really welcoming Jesus Christ as he entered <coughs> Jerusalem. It was a joyful Sunday, but tonight, it is a troubling night, a troubled night. And uh, during this evening, according to the context which we have read, earlier that Jesus stood up and wrapped a towel we have not read that but the following verses around his waist and began washing the disciples feet and after their feet were washing their feet he announced one of you he said will betray me. So it was a troubling evening because Judas betrayed him and uh, It was a hard prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then he was arrested. They beat him, beating him. He was tried before Pilate. He was tried before Herod. And they shouted insults and mocked him. So it was not a very good evening at all, watching television that evening. And uh, The following day, you know what happened. He was crucified. He was crucified. So the disciples had no idea. It was a troubled evening because even the disciples had no idea, perhaps a little bit, but he had no idea what would happen concerning the future. Especially because Jesus Christ was frequently talking about his death. Will this be the end of our movement? We've been with you for three years, if I paraphrase. We're with you for three years now. Is this the end? You are going to die. So they were sorrowful and they were confused to some extent. And therefore, Jesus Christ comforted them and reassured them when he said, Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your, be calm. Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. so that where I am. There you will be also. In my father's house. So if you have your pen, because I don't have a PowerPoint today. First point, the place called heaven is for believers. These are comforting words. They said, "In believing God, believe also in me. So it is for believers. So if you are not a believer, heaven is not for you. But you are invited to come through Jesus Christ. First, Jesus said, believe in God. Now, the word believe is prominent in the Gospel of John. It is mentioned, the word believe, the verb believe is mentioned 98 times compared to other Mark, Gospel of Mark, Matthew, and Luke. Ninety times. So it's a, Campbell Morgan called it the Gospel of Belief. Because it emphasizes belief in God. In fact, in the last chapter, it says, those who believe, these were written that you might believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Believe in God. Who is this God that you believe? Of course, he is the God revealed by Jesus Christ. Not the God of your own imagination. Not the God of your own superstitions. And we were were superstitious people. Not the God of your own design. But he is the living holy God. As emphasized in the Old Testament, because he is no other. He is no other. He is living, not like the idols, worthless. And he is holy. He is no other. This is the God that you must believe. Believing God the Father. He is the Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Believing God who is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent who revealed himself in various ways, according to Hebrews chapter 1. Believe in God, the one who is absolutely holy, pure, holy God, and there is no other who is (laughs) uncaused. Believe in God, the one who exists from eternity to eternity. And he is a rewarder, according to Hebrews chapter 11. He is a rewarder for those who diligently seek him. Believing God who gave us salvation so rich and free. How wonderful is that. He gave his son his precious treasure. That's why our salvation is so rich, so free, It's all by grace and by grace alone. Is that a good? It is by grace and by grace alone. And this troubled heart of ours, it suits our health. Our trouble it heals our troubled hearts that's why he said believe in God and then he said believe also in me believe also in me because he's the one who was sinned by the father and he said he'd been in the gospel of John in our context if you if you know the father if you know me you know the Father so over all the misses of the Gospel of John, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And believing in his name, we shall have eternal life. Believe in Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God. Now Jesus Christ claims, he claims many things. And the word I am in the Gospel of John alone is mentioned 23 times, the word I am. And seven of those, in addition to those, seven of those, uh, uh, is you, he used them as metaphor. He used metaphor. He said, which expresses his deity, that he is God. And also expresses his relationship to man. He said, I am the bread of life. The first seven metaphors. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the ship. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And religious leaders during this time who did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, hated him for it. He, they hated his claim because he puts himself equal to God and that he came from heaven. They hated his claim. Especially when it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We'll talk more about that later on. Because that's where separates all other religions. The difference is the sun. The Lord Jesus Christ. Compared to other religions. Only Jesus. In spite of the wonders and the signs. And the miracles that Jesus did. It was difficult for those. Unbelieving religious leaders. To believe. To accept his claim. Because he put himself equal to God. And that he came from heaven. One Writer said, which you are familiar, you can Google it, One Solitary Life. I will quote some parts of it. This is what they said about Jesus. Nineteen wide centuries have gone and gone, and today is the centerpiece of the human race and the leader of the column of progress. I am far within the mark when I say that all the armies that ever march, and all the navies that ever built, and all the pyramids that ever sought, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as has that one solitary life. I don't know if this writer believed that Jesus Christ is the incarnate God-man, I don't know if he believed it that way. But one thing I'm sure. That Jesus Christ is not only a historical figure. He is the eternal Son of God from eternity to eternity. That's what we believe. And now he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Preparing a place for a prepared people like you and I, who put their trust in Jesus Christ. Now, the Holy Spirit in this context is also mentioned in chapter 14, which we have not read. In verse 26, the Holy Spirit is mentioned that he is coming as our helper. Then in chapter 16, verse 8, he mentioned there, when he comes, the Holy Spirit He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of course, we know that in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came and is with us since the birth of the Church of Jesus Christ. We must also believe in the Holy Spirit, whose primary purpose is to glorify the Father and to glorify Christ. That is his primary ministry. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand the fatherhood of God, the sonship of Jesus Christ, and the lordship of Jesus Christ. He enlightens us because in the history of redemption, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit always together, work together together, for our salvation. So the triune God always work together. That comforts me in this world. In spite of the many troubles in this world. Jesus said let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So he promised us this wonderful place. Secondly. The place called heaven is comforting as promised to us by our Savior. is for the believers. In my Father's house are many mansions or rooms or dwelling place. Now, according to the Vines, uh, Vines Expository Dictionary, the word topos in the original means a place or a region or a locality. And it is mentioned oftentimes in the book of Acts, Uh, as a place, as a region where Paul traveled from one place to another, and also in the book of Luke. Now, that's where we got the root word, of the root word topography. You have heard topography, I suppose, in your studies. When you studied geography and uh, landscaping and surveying, you heard the word topography. It is an act of... uh, Detailing the actual physical feature of a landscape, of a land on a map. In other words, Jesus Christ was saying, topos are a place. Heaven is a real place. It is not a fragment of our imagination. It is not a fantasy island. As one singer, one of the Beatles, if you remember John Lennon, in 1971 he had a hit song, which was a hit in 1970 and 1980s, Imagine. Reminder? Reminder the song? Imagine. I will quote the first line, but you can Google it later on. There is no heaven, he said. It is easy if you try. No hell below, Above us, only a sky. I quoted this when I gave a series of heaven in our church. And, uh, and he was wrong, John Lennon was wrong. Heaven is not a fantasy island fabricated by our imagination. Heaven is a real place. In fact, I, I like the words Jesus used. You know what he used? In my father's house. I love those words. My father's house. Well, even King David, when his son was sick, you remember when his son was sick? He did fasting and prayer and prayer and fasting, but God has another plan. And the people tried to feed him, but he will not eat, you know, he just prayed and prayed. He was miserable. But when his son died, he was so happy. He started singing, praising the Lord. And in the palace, they were wondering what's happening to him. He got loco, he got crazy. Because here he was, his son is dead, and they were singing. He was singing. David said, my son will not come back to me, but I am going to him. I'm going to him. And that's, conf- that's a big comfort to parents whose son is gone. In my case, the old house in the Philippines is gone. Where I grew up, it was no longer there. But in my memory, every time I go home, I tell my children about the story. Of our place, it has it held a hallowed place, a hallowed place in my heart. My parents are now gone; with the, they are now with the Lord in heaven. When we were young, we don't have much materially. But there's one thing we have in our home, in our house. It was a home. We call it a home because there was love. There was sweetness. We were close to each other, full of laughter, especially when my mother made jokes to my father. In those days, when they got married in before nineteen thirties, before nineteen before the war, my father, my my father was engaged to her, to another woman. He was given. To her by his future father-in-law. But this woman ran away before the wedding. Then the father-in-law said, "The said, Pedro, I have another sister. I have another daughter in Cebu. She is coming. I will give her to you when she comes here. That was the sister of the one who ran away, who look with someone else. So my father married her. So when they have a little bit of misunderstanding, you know, married couple sometimes they do. And they said, oh, Pedro, I was just giving to you like a chicken (laughs) from my father. Then they start laughing, you know. Not that my mother was an archaeologist digging the past, but they make jokes out of it. So in our home, there is always these jokes and laughter. These are just one of the jokes of my mother. So, but there is something sweet and intimate and personal when Jesus said, in my Father's house. I love this word. It is not an empty place. Heaven is a home. It is a home Jesus promised to those who love him. His Father's house will be our heavenly home one day which Christ prepared for us, is a real place. You know why? I see it real. I believe it's real. Because God is real. If God is real, he will not tell a lie. What he promised, he will fulfill. So Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. That assurance calms my heart, my troubled heart, and my troubled mind. Thirdly, the place called heaven is comforting and should be precious to us. Why heaven is so dear in our hearts, should be dear in our hearts as believers in Jesus Christ? Why do you think children should should be precious to you? Why heaven is so precious to you, like mom and dad, they are precious to you. Can you give me one answer? Okay, you're embarrassed. I'll proceed. Because our loving Savior is there. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24, it says, For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true." but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Christ entered into heaven. He went back there. He is now in the very presence of the Father. But heaven is not significant, is not important to me if Jesus Christ is not there. But because he is there, I know he is there, sitting at the right hand of the Father. Heaven is precious to me. Oh, I long to see him one day face to face. I want to see the scars in his hand, on his side, that he died for me. I long to see those things. I believe there will be nothing more beautiful and more precious when we shall, we shall see him face to face. And that is an awesome moment. Sometimes we are sad when a, a person is, dies. But if that person dies in that moment of time, when he stops breathing, if he is a believer in Jesus Christ, that is an awesome moment because that is the moment when you see Jesus face to face. Secondly, heaven is dear to our precious to us because our inheritance is there. Isn't it? This is what the Bible says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. That's in verse 4. I realize that this paragraph is a big sermon. But verse 4 said, To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Dale Modus said, As a dead man cannot inherit a property, no more can a dead soul inherit heaven. The soul must be raised up in Christ. Once once he believed. Our inheritance is reserved in heaven. Once a person believing in Jesus Christ is born again, he becomes a child of God. Or as Romans chapter 8 says, he is an adopted child of God. He who has the spirit of Christ has Christ. He who does not have the spirit of Christ does not have well, he is not a Christian. Romans 8, 9 it says he who has or does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to Christ. So what is the definition of a Christian? He who has the spirit of Christ. But because you have the spirit of Christ you are an ear you have the riches of heaven waiting for you in glory. Unlike our earthly inheritance, sometimes families, they love each other when they were small. But he got married, he got married, he got married, he got married. He got married. And all the children are there They quarrel about the inheritance of the old woman and old man. And I have seen that again and again. Some of my friends, they even shoot each other. They are brothers, brothers, true blood, because of the inheritance. I don't care anymore. I said to my brother, just give me a hammer that's good enough for me. Unlike our early inheritance, our heavenly inheritance does not depend upon the country's economy. There is no inflation. It is safe and secure. So we must invest for eternity. How do you know that? Jesus said this one in Matthew chapter 6. Maybe you have touched this before. Do not lay up your treasure on earth, but lay uh, lay them up in heaven. Where they would not, they would be eternally saved. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, how do we store up treasures in heaven? By investing on earth those things that only transferable to heaven. What are they? What are the things that are transferable to heaven? Your land cruiser? your Ferrari, your big mansions. I think there are only two. I could be mistaken, but this is only what I know. If I'm wrong, correct me. The souls of man and the word of God. Two things. The souls of man, the word of God. The souls and the word of God are the only eternal things on earth. Other things will decay. Every living thing is a dying thing. Therefore we should build we should build equity in heaven. We have to build the word of God in the hearts and souls of men and women who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a mission. Let us see because heaven should be precious to us because it is our permanent residence. Our permanent residence. Our citizenship in heaven. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 it says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. Heaven is our permanent, eternal residence. You know, when uh, end started their work here more than 10 years ago. There were many workers from the Philippines. I have to counsel them and talk to them. Some of them applied for permanent residence after npic gone, <laughs> uh, those time when there was plenty of work. Some of them said, they, uh, come to me, advise how they can become permanent residents of Australia. I said, go to the immigration. And or google, then you'll find some of the answers because they like to become permanent residen- residents, and those who like who are a permanent residents they like to be citizens of Australia because they love Australia, they love it so much. And uh, as though while they are waiting, as though there is a burden hanging over their head while working while they have this burden over their head, oh, I work and work, but I am not a citizen of this country. I am not a resident of this country. I am only temporary. We don't know whether they will send me back to the Philippines. But once they became citizens, they got all the privilege even to vote in this country. And they love it once they get the certificate, of citizenship. They love it. Because they have also the privileges once they become Australian citizens. We got that all as citizens of heaven. We have all the privileges, privileges, and all the inheritance that the Father prepared for us through Jesus Christ. Lastly, Heaven should be precious to us, should give us comfort because we will recognize your loved ones and friends over there who know the Lord Jesus Christ. At my age, I think I have more friends in heaven because I am now nearly 77. Most of my friends, every time I go back to the Philippines, are gone. All gone. In our church, they're all gone. Most of them. The younger generation don't know me. Some of those younger generation where I sponsored them when they were dedicated. Uh, ninong, Ninong means Godfather. During Christmas, it means you have to give something because you are the godfather of this child. And they have already grandchildren. It's very interesting. We have more friends in heaven. The psalmist David declared with deep assurance that when his son was sick, uh, when his son was sick, he will meet him again. One day, I will meet the great prophets. You will meet the great prophets in the Old Testament. And all the believers throughout the centuries, but there are people I like to meet one day in heaven. I like to meet Martin Luther. I like to meet John Calvin. Thanks him for the Institute, for his books, the Institute. I will thank Horace Swingley. I will thank John Knox, all those great reformers in the 15th and 16th century. You know why I will thank him because they introduced to us a reformed doctrine, a sound doctrine, which we have, which the church of Rome destroyed over the centuries. I thank God for this reformers because I found out that justification is by faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. I should thank them, and we should thank them. Jesus said, "Are we going to recognize them in heaven? Yes, we will." In Matthew chapter eight, verse eleven, it says, "I see to you that many will come from the east and the west, and will take their places at the feet at the feast of Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven." Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob will recognize. Their identity and name has not changed. We are going to have a banquet with them one day. In the Mount of Transfiguration, John Peter, John Peter and what's his name? James. They recognized Moses 1,500 years before Christ, but they recognized Moses and his identity as well as Elijah. So in heaven, we will recognize our loved ones. I don't know how, but we will. We will have incredible, according to 1 Corinthians chapter, incredible bodies. Incorruptible bodies. We will be the beauty and the best. We will meet Christ one day. What makes your home therefore precious to you, so sweet to you? Is it your beautiful lawn that you manicured by your mother? Is it your trees, beautiful trees and flowers? Is it the expensive furniture that you paid thousands of dollars and appliances? Is it the incredible landscape of your home or your beautiful furniture, everything? Do you think that makes your home, your house attractive? I don't think so. Maybe it might help a little bit. No, it is the loved ones who live in it. Heaven is precious because we will recognize our loved ones in it. And above all, we will recognize our Savior, our Redeemer who died for us. Lastly, heaven is precious to us because your name is written there. Your name. Don't you realize that that your name is there? In Revelation 21 it says, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be allowed into heaven. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, your name, according to Luke, is written in Revelation. Your name is written in the Book of Life. In other words, you have a reservation in heaven. Is there in that Book of Reservation? Anyone whose name is not written in that Book of Reservation, their place, the Bible says, will be in the Lake of Fire, which is the second death, an eternal separation from God. I'm saying that without apology, because if you believe in heaven, you must also believe that there is hell. There is hell. If your name is not written in the book of life. That's why we want to preach the gospel and take as many people we can by the grace of God to heaven. That's why Jesus said, go and make disciples. Praise the gospel and make the disciples. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way, you know. Thomas asked, how can we know the way? According to our context, Jesus said, I am of the way. This is a tremendous claim. He did not give them a map and talk about their journey. Jesus said, "I I am not among many ways. I am the definite article, the way. A friend of us came here a few weeks ago. I did not give here a map. Oh, go to this place, go to this place, I go to the place. You don't have to worry about that. I'll take you with me. I am the way. So Jesus, metaphorically, if I pronounce it figuratively, (laughs) said, I am the way. I'll take you with me. Where I am, there you may be also. That's what he's saying. And then he said, If you want to see me, my Father in heaven, you have to know me. And he said, I am the truth. Truth in the biblical sense is a person. God is truth, the Son is the truth, and the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And Jesus said here in this context, I am the truth. Truth is a person. I am the way to God, I am the truth. I am the end, in other words, I am the end of your search. I am the truth. I am the end of your search. Because Jesus is the full expression of of, of truth about life. And the full expression of God, the invisible one. He is the full expression of God, the Father. Finally, Jesus said, I am the life. He came to give us abundant life. Every other path, every other way leads to death. Only Jesus leads to life. There's a song that in Sunday school we used to sing, and my wife sang it the other day, and which is good it says, I meet Jesus at the crossroads. You got that? Where two ways meet. Satan too was standing there at the crossroad, and he said, Come this way. Lots and lots of pleasure I give to you today. But I said, No, there's Jesus here. You see what he offers me? Down here, my sins are forgiven. Up there, a home in heaven. Praise God, does the way for me. Praise God, does the way for me. There was a legend. It's a legend, but it has some morals. Of a man who went into the desert. He traveled, and wandered, and wandered, and wandered, and then he stepped on a sinking sand, quick sinking sand. Confucius, the founder of Confucius. saw the man's predicament. He said, oh, you are in trouble. It is evident that man should stay out of such places as these. That's his philosophy. Another philosopher came. Buddha saw him, saw his predicament. Buddha observed him. And said, let that man's plight be a lesson to the world, to the rest of the world. That's his philosophy. Then Muhammad came. And said to the sinking man, it is the will of Allah. God is great. It is the will of God that you die. That you sink. Finally, Jesus appeared and said, Take my hand, brother. I will save you. I am the way. I am the savior. Take my hand, my brother. That is our Lord who said, Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If you are a believer, heaven is prepared for you. It is prepared for a prepared people who loves the Lord Jesus Christ. Father God, we thank you for your word, and I pray that you bless it to our hearts. Amen and amen. To God be the glory.